All right. Happy Thursday, everyone, and welcome to the fastest growing podcast in the history of the known universe, unless one of the hosts dies. Uh, it is the Falcon cast, and uh, we are here to have a lot of fun with you today because the legendary A.J. Hoffman is here, and uh, we're going to get to him in just a second. But uh, uh, before we get started, I want to tell you about uh, uh, the University of Houston Letter Winning Association having their 46th annual H Association barbecue Uh Football coach Willie Fritz will be there, athletic director Chris Pesman, uh, Cougar legends like Otis Birdsong, Bo Burris, David Klingler, and more. Uh, this is going to be Saturday, March the 9th. And, uh, you know, if if my head's right, I'm going to be there. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of cool people. Dwight Davis is going to be there. They're going to uh, auction off two fishing trips and a hunting trip, and it benefits student-athletes. And all of this uh, money goes to the, to the student-athletes at UH. So uh, if, if you have a chance, uh, here are your prices. They're pretty, uh, they're actually pretty, really reasonable. 25 bucks gets you in and that's it. And so uh, uh, they've got other packages for sponsors, uh, all kinds of stuff going on. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. Uh, and uh, the reality is it's just, uh, it, it's a cool thing that they do. The H Association is, H Association is fantastic. And if I can pull this up, I will, uh, I'll tell you the other stuff that you need to know, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a really, really cool thing that they do. And, um, and so you can go and it's going to be the day of the Kansas game. So it's 1130 to 2 PM on Saturday, March 9th at the TDEC stadium club. And, uh, one ticket's 25. You can get four for 85. You want to do a $250 sponsorship, you get six tickets. Someone just called Fred. That's what happens when someone calls You can get 10 tickets and a $750, you can get 14 All you have to do is go to uhletterwinners.com. That's uhletterwinners.com, and they will take care of you. And I want to welcome everybody in today, uh, especially the legendary A.J. Hoffman, who, first off, I, I need to... Uh, uh, I got to apologize to for last week, and it wasn't anything that I actually did. But by the end of the show, I obviously was making no sense whatsoever. And uh, I, I mean, just thought the know, vodka waters were strong. No, I, I had you know what, and this is this is where it was weird. I had three drinks all day. I had one before I went over there, and I had two during the show. And so when the show was over, I'm like, "What the hell is wrong with me? I I can't think. I can't stand up." And I'm like, it, it, unless that was like pure 500% alcohol, which it wasn't, um, you know, something was wrong. So I told the story Monday. I'm not going to revisit the whole thing, but I mean, AJ knows most of it. But uh, yeah, I made the dumb mistake of uh, taking a piece of an edible from someone. And turns out it was spiked with shit I would never put in my body. And uh, I passed Steroids? out. Right, uh, I wish I'd be like, <laughs> that would have been a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, I, um, and so I passed out right after the show. Uh, I tried to get an Uber. I vaguely remember that. And I fell down on the sidewalk and couldn't get up. And so thankfully my good friends at the leaf, uh, came in and took me inside and put me on the couch. And my good friend, Nate, uh, came over and, and, and Aaron, his, his girlfriend, and they called my friend Dana and her son, Ethan, and they all got me home and everybody thought I was better. And then I, go to walk to my bed and just collapse again and hit my head on the side of the bed. And when I woke up, I fortunately I had my phone. I was able to call an ambulance and go to the hospital. And yeah, they found a bunch of crap in me. And, uh, you know, I'm getting lectured by this nurse about, yo, you should never take this. I'm like, Fuck, I don't ever take it. What are you talking about? Uh, and, um, so, and then after that, uh, the bad part was I fell about four times and really, I've had concussion problems a lot lately, and uh, this one is the worst one I've had that I can actually remember. And so, you know, I have I have good moments and bad. And, you know, Lamont says, yeah, you're way too old for these rookie mistakes. Come on, big bro. You're right. And part of it is the, the doctor said, well, you've had this concussion for a while, and it makes you prone to stupid decisions. I'm like, well, good. I, I'll blame it on that and not the fact that I was just a fucking idiot. But um, Can you tell your divorce lawyer that? Oh, I was concussed when I gave her that RV. Yeah, exactly. That's a good idea. Yeah. I was like, hey, check it out. <laughs> By the way, welcome in Chuck D, Flip, Spirit, Smoky Route, Felipe, uh, 
Virginia Buttonweed, and of course, Lamont, man, so glad to see all you guys. So here's the cool part, though. So my doctors tell me these things I need to do to try to, to focus, right? It's like, well, you should do a crossword every day. You should do Sudoku. I'm like, man, I don't do that shit. I go, what about poker? It's like, that's good. That'll make your mind work. So guess what I did last night? So be handy. Played some poker. I went over to back to the leaf and, and, you know, I wanted to thank everybody for taking care of me too, because, um, you know, I, and honestly, if I'd eaten any more of that, I wouldn't be here. And I, I worry about if I'd even gotten in that Uber and got home, whether I make it up the stairs or whether I crash on the concrete and bash my head. I mean, there, there's so many things that could have gone wrong. So, yeah, but I went and played last night and, um, Bought in for sixty and cashed out for a whole bunch. And uh, all right, my, my, so the, I mean, uh, that means the concussion didn't hurt you. No, no. Well, you know what I was so focused on is really cool. So, like the things, you know, he's told me, you know, do things that, you know, keep your mind occupied, right? So, like the podcast on Monday was great. The poker was great. Uh, and then today I went to lunch with a friend of mine who's a really brilliant guy, and we're talking about stories that I, I i should be writing and all this stuff and so it, it's really helping you know but I, I still have moments where um and, and even last night there's one of my friends that i played with forever and i couldn't remember his name when i sat at the table and usually i suck at names anyway but once i know your name you've known this about me forever right once i got you i never forget it that's like the opposite and, of me i don't remember anyone's <laughs> name ever but yeah i forgot his name and i'm and I, I i sat there and waited till somebody said something to him damn now i know who that is i just say hey uh, buddy <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's uh uh so you know today's been a good day it's like good and bad days you know there's there's you know there's times where i do stupid stuff like uh i told him monday i went out for a cigarette on sunday and i'm like where the hell's my lighter it was in my hand the whole time uh sh shit like that you know and you're just like oh fuck but you know what you know, fuck it. I'm going to beat this just like I'm beating everything else over the last year and a half. Uh, and, you know, there's going to be moments where I, I sound stupid. Guess what? That's been the show forever. That's, That's true. Forever. Yeah. Nothing so different. There's, there's nothing new there, man. And uh, so, yeah, it's uh, uh, it's all good. Uh, welcome in Zed. Welcome in Chuck Norris. Big Freaky Mike. All you guys uh, on my way for your bitch. Uh, you know, so anyway, I'm uh, uh, I'm you know, dealing with it. And, you know, the hard part is like some of my friends just don't get it. Like, man, just man up, man up. It's like, well, okay. Yeah. Uh, how? <laughs> it's like, it's my fucking brain, man. I got no clues, but it's all going to be fine. And, um, you know, uh, I mean, there, there's a chance that I just got to not fall down and I'm, I'm being careful. I'm not going anywhere. Uh, I went to lunch today, but I mean, I'm sitting, my friends setting up stuff for me on the stairs. So I'll have extra lights and shit like that so that I won't fall down. And, um, you know, just little things that you have to do. And I, I know it's old and being old, but also part of it is just, uh, you know, don't die, bitch. That's kind of yeah. where I am. <laughs> but yeah, but I appreciate you carrying me at the end there. And, and for most, you always carry me. So it doesn't matter. But, uh, yeah, same, same old, yeah. same old. No big deal. But yeah, so I, I will toast everyone with. Diet Coke today. Ooh. Okay, good. That's what they're telling you. Uh, they're recommending while you're on your uh, concussion protocol. Well, no, he says I can have a, a couple drinks, but he told me, you know, make sure you rarely have a couple drinks. Well, and, that, and that's the, you know, and that's something I'm trying to adjust to. And, uh, you know, he's telling me, you know, make sure, you know, if you, you know, like when you're playing poker, make sure you're with some friends who, you know, remind you you're not supposed to just sit there and slam drinks the whole time. Yeah. And of course, of course, once I start winning hands, I'm like, oh, no, I'm not drinking anything. I'm just going to, I'm going to take some soul stuff. And don't think I wasn't playing up the concussion thing. Like, uh, did, did, did you get the flush? I'm like, you know, I don't even remember what I had. What? <laughs> is a flush all black? Like, is all dance? I don't know. What, what's that from uh, Ocean's Eleven? All red. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so... One of my friends, uh, he asked me at the end, he goes, you really have a concussion? I'm like, yeah, I really do. But I was totally fucking with you guys on most of this shit. And um, the, my favorite was uh, my friend dropped me off last night. And he's got two kids. And, and so uh, as that was, he was really getting after me over some things. And I'm like, hey, man, uh, just do me a favor. Go home and hug your wife and three kids. 
<laughs> you motherfucker. <laughs> so there are jokes to be had here. And believe me, I'm going to have them. You know? There's always jokes to be had. We all know oh, that. God, yeah. If I can't joke about it, what, what's the fucking point of having it? Exactly. Yeah, give it to somebody else. Let them, you know, let them fret about it and feel sorry for themselves and play victim. Fuck that. I'm going to make jokes about it. I'm going to, uh, and I'm going to use it at the poker table. So there. <laughs> I like it. So what's going on with you, brother? Uh, busy times, man. It's, uh, you know, obviously college basketball stuff going and, uh, I had to go buy a car yesterday, which is the worst thing ever. Um, just, uh, I don't know, doing normal life stuff. And then, uh, we've got the, uh, our big podcast tonight during the off season, we're going to have it on Thursdays instead of Wednesdays. So, uh, just, uh, you know, hectic work stuff and just trying to keep my, uh, my iron's in the fire, Freddie. You know the deal. Always, uh, always look for, for something fun to get my uh, get my hands on. And that's that's the way to do it, man. And you know, I'm trying to do the same thing when I when I don't forget that I'm trying to have fun. So, uh, did uh, and, and I saw you tweet something about UH earlier this week. And obviously, uh, big week when you go in and you beat the number six team at home. Then you go on the road and beat Baylor. And I, I want to ask you a question about Baylor that I kind of brought up Monday. But um, uh, your thoughts on them moving forward? I, I think their resume says they should be number one. I don't know if they're the best team. I get so fucking sick of listening to ESPN said, "Oh, UConn should be number one." I don't care if they lose every game the rest of the way. It's a poll, yeah. and when you, you lose in a poll or you win a big game in a poll, you move up or you move down. It doesn't mean shit. They're all going to be one seed. But your thoughts? I think that there's a real argument to be made that Houston is the best team in the country. And the analytics say that they are. Um, they've lost a couple road games, uh, including that loss at Kansas, which is, you know, was an ugly loss, let's face it. The other two weren't, though. Uh, but guess what? It, UConn's lost some road games, too, including at Kansas. And they had some ugly ones. They got blown out at Seton Hall, blown out at Creighton just recently. Um, they're not, they're, they're not as good as they were a year ago. They are a, a flawed team. And that's what it really boils down to is there's not a team in the country that doesn't have some kind of warts and Houston right now to me is falling into the category of, I, I think they can overcome their warts. Like what, what they do well, they do so well that I think it can make up for what they don't do well, which is, it's weird to say it's because it's the opposite of my usual thinking. Usually I think if you, if you can't score consistently, I don't want anything to do with you come tournament time, but I've watched them just torment elite offenses and make them look terrible. Like what they did to Baylor in the first half of that game uh, over the weekend was yeah. so impressive. Like that, that Baylor offense just looked lost and the the reality of that game was Baylor shot better than than UH. Um, Baylor like dominated on the glass. So if you say that you know Baylor was going to shoot forty percent from three and out rebound Houston by almost double digits, I would have said, oh well, Houston's screwed. Well, what you didn't account for was the nineteen turnovers that Houston created, and they just they throw your offense out of whack and you give away all these possessions. And the like that's pretty much the standard is the turnovers. Normally they win the rebounding battle too. So right. when you when you win the rebounding battle and you get all those turnovers, you just have so many more opportunities at offense that it, typically you're blowing teams out even if you're not super efficient on that side of the ball, which Houston is not. Um, obviously the second half, that's there's cause for concern. Uh, the the way that they melted that game was was tough to watch, uh, but the reality was, I mean, when when it came to nut cutting time in in overtime, they they were the much better team, and they, they got the defensive stops, and that's against a really good Baylor offense. And you know, you're talking about one of the top five or six offenses in the country. Uh, will they see offenses like that in the tournament? If they go deep enough, they sure will. But Absolutely. Because you know that, that they can handle those. And and really, you've got to – think about how they lost last year. It, it's almost like it, it has to be a perfect storm to beat this team. And, I, I again, I, I said they've got warts, so I'm not saying they're unbeatable at all. But it took Miami basically just 
going nuclear from three. And, and yeah. you know, w- w- when when they do that, like if you go, if Miami goes, you know, if they go shoot 50% from three, if any team does that to UH in the tournament, they probably beat them. Yeah. It's just, it, it's just hard to do, uh, especially I think, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, if I remember correctly, Houston had a pretty terrible night shooting threes as well. That was a, a more three-point reliant team than this one, you know, when they had Trayvon Mark and, and those guys. But um, I, I, it feels like this is uh, – this this team is as good as any. I like them better than UConn and Purdue right now because I, I feel like that that defense is going to terrorize all teams, even the, the most elite teams, uh, the most elite offenses. And if they can just not be – awful on that side of the ball they're going to win more games than they lose and like they should have they i think they they should be they should be a one loss team that's how close right. those other games were and then we're not having this discussion so i'm not letting two games that that happened on the road in in early january dictate my opinion on this team um yeah what what they did again that that win at baylor that, that should shut up doubters. Uh, not only that, but they they went and won at BYU. They right. uh, they won the game at Texas. Like they've they've done enough to prove to me that they're for real. I, would I've liked to see more um, uh, more tough road scheduling, like uh, in the non con. Yeah, they they played Xavier and, and handled them. Uh, would I would I've liked to see another game or two against a Power Five team in there? Yeah, but. Um, I still think that you know this conference, the Big Twelve, is is setting them up in a way that they haven't in the past. Like it, being prepared for the tournament in a way that the American just couldn't prepare them. So playing against Baylor, playing against Kansas, like th- these are these are teams that uh, they they would have never gotten to see, or at least not seen, certainly not seen twice right. when they were in the American. So this just it, it's it's sharpening that iron to a different level. Uh, and not that the Big East hasn't done it for UConn. I don't think the Big Ten's done it for Purdue. I, I don't think the Big Ten's a particularly good league. No. I, I think Purdue is like they're so reliant on one guy that I, I, I just won't, I won't buy into them. Uh, there was a prop out here, uh, Purdue or UConn versus the field. And I was like, that's crazy. I, I Give me the field. Yeah. And the field was like minus 330. But I, I still so. think that's a good bet. I, I, it's just uh, I think Houston is as good as UConn, if not better. And, you know, they just – last year they ran into one of those games that it threw them off. And, you know, you're going to – you. it takes luck to win the tournament too, Fred. You know that. It, oh, absolutely. It, if it was just about who the best team is, it'd, it'd be easy. But it, it's not always about yeah. that. And, like, let's remember that UConn – a year ago, like I, I know they they kind of ran roughshod through the tournament, but they lost in the Big East tournament, uh, and they were they, they probably should have ended up playing Creighton uh, in the finals. If I mean Creighton gets a bad foul call against San Diego State, and Creighton goes out of there, and Creighton, you know, they split with UConn that year, and and were probably playing better ball at the time, so. I, I I mean it, it, UConn got a good run last year. Uh, they they played a a St. Mary's team that just didn't have the offensive firepower. They played uh, I think they played Gonzaga in the Sweet 16 or Elite Eight, something like that. Uh, that was just kind of running out of fuel or running out of gas. And then they played Miami and San Diego State, two teams that were like analytically just kind of meh uh, in in the Final Four. And I think Gonzaga was the only top ten team that they played in their tournament run and that's just a, like a, from a, like a Ken Palm uh, top 10 not not AP top 10 but uh fr- from an analytic standpoint it's it's rare to go through a run like that and not face you know elite elite competition so it, it a lot of it is just how how things break uh but i i think this Houston team is right there i i expect them to be in the final four this season is my my expectation well if they if the tournament went exactly as it was supposed to. We'd all have perfect brackets every year. I mean, the That's reality true. is yeah. so much of it is you have to, things have to fall your way. And we've seen that. And a team like Kentucky could get in the right spot and all of a sudden the bad matchups lose in front of them. And the next thing you know, you look up and Kentucky's in the final four. And I think those kind of things can happen. Uh, and, you know, sometimes, and you mentioned the Miami game last year, the, the one thing 
I mean, I've got some positives and some negatives to say about UH, but the one positive is, you know, you talk about the Kansas loss. That's the one game that they just weren't in all year. Yeah. And Kansas beat them at, at, you know, in Kansas, which is a tough place to play, especially the first time you're going there um, in a conference game. But uh, the thing is, they haven't, the other losses were, were games they easily could have won. As you mentioned, they should have won the TCU game. That was almost a fluke. And then uh, Iowa State, they missed free throws at the end. And what I've noticed is they've gotten better on the road since then. And you mentioned BYU. You mentioned Texas. I mean, they, they've gone into some some tough barns and, and won games, Baylor, um, that at some of the Big 12 is just kind of luck of the draw on where you have to go on the road and at home. And, and uh, I think that uh, the, the concerns I have still, they are prone to these stretches where they can't score. And we saw that in the Baylor game. We saw it a little bit in Cincinnati on uh, Tuesday night. And the problem with that is uh, this year that hasn't been the same because Jamal Shedd will just take over. Well, he's had two really bad games in a row for him, shooting the ball. Yeah, uh, I think he was, he was 0 for 19 at one point. Although, God, I, I so wish he'd gotten that three off uh, before the buzzer against Baylor. What a great way to end the game, right? Guy who hadn't made a shot. Yeah, it was and, pretty uh, damn close. Yeah, but I mean, it but, also, it, but it also tells you like the margins because if Missy doesn't miss the free throw, then Baylor wins outright, you know, which yeah, is yeah. like, it's, it's a game of inches certainly. And I, I think it goes back to something I said last week is I, I don't know that there's any team that's like super elite or unbeatable. I, I don't see that in this group. And I, I think there's probably 10 or 12 teams that can win it. And obviously home court in the regular season plays such a, a vital role. But when they're all on a neutral, I, th I think a lot of these teams are a lot closer than people think they are. And I, I think we're going to get some – some. I think it's going to make for a really fun march because I, I think almost anything can happen. Um, yeah. But, it, again, like it's, it's, a, it's a game of inches. If that free throw falls for Missy, then maybe people aren't looking at Houston as one of the best teams. and but, or Or you can look at it as – Maybe they're not looking at them as the best team, and that provides value because, I mean, it's clear with Missy shooting free throws, it's about a 50-50 proposition there. If he, if he makes it, is, is somehow Houston not as good? No, obviously not. So um, I, I just think that it, this, is, this is set up for a team that is that plays a consistent style and understands what they're going to get. And I, I think the one thing you can control – is defensive effort, and right. it, 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 it's it's there every single game for them. It really is. I mean, I guess you can kind of look at that Kansas game and go, "What the hell happened?" Uh, right. I, you, you can make that argument to me, um, but, but every 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 good team has at least three or four of those games. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Not and, not where they lost by two at the buzzer, but they lose by ten on the road. Sure, and, and that, that's going to happen, and it was a bad shooting night for UH, too, if, if you recall. Um, yeah. But it, there's going to be nights where UConn, uh, you know, their shot's not going, or there's going to be nights where Purdue, uh, it, where Zach Eady gets in foul trouble or, or something, and then, they, I mean, they're fucked. Um, we saw it the other day when Kansas played BYU. If Hunter Dickinson doesn't make his free throws – shit, you're just going to keep fouling him and, and he's going to keep yeah. missing free throws and, and it let BYU win a game at Kansas. And of course, I mean, listen, Kansas right now is shorthanded, like ar arguably their best player uh, is out. So it's, I mean, take it with a grain of salt that BYU beat them there. But I mean, you you said it, it's very difficult to win at Kansas. I don't I don't care who's on the floor. But if if Hunter Dickinson makes those free throws, are we, is anybody more, you know, worried about Kansas? No, probably not. So it's weird how it's how it's working out, but every every team has a weakness. But the, like I said, the one thing I believe is Houston's defensive effort is going to be there every single game. And if that like so, even when they when they shoot like shit, which you know they, they're apt to do. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. They, oh they, yeah. yeah, it's going to happen. They are they're not, they're a bad shooting team. And you said like, well, they they lost the game on free throws. Yeah, it's because they're shitty at shooting free throws. Uh, so that's going to happen, but. If you tell me a game in the tournament, the final score in the Houston game was 57-53, I feel pretty good about that. I feel like that's the kind of game Houston's comfortable playing. And, you know, if when you put that on a neutral, and honestly, if you put that Iowa State game on a neutral, I don't I don't think there's a question that Houston wins that game. I mean, I think 
we know how important home court advantage is. And, and Iowa State got like, I don't know, 10 or 12 more free throw attempts in that game than Houston did. And Houston at home, the, it's a, it's basically a, a wrestling match. Uh, they, right, they just right. they let it be, they let it go wild. Uh, and then, you know, the, the TCU game, there was a, a huge free throw discrepancy. So in Kansas, there's always going to be a free throw discrepancy at the fog. And, and part of that is Houston plays so physical. Yeah. You know, that they're going to get called for fouls, particularly on the road, and they may in neutral sites too. But again, that defensive efforts there and having something that you know is going to be there for six games makes me believe that they can do it. Because if you told me BYU is going to – let's BYU is going to shoot great in the first three games and then they're going to shoot 25% from three in the fourth game, I'd say, well, they lose the fourth game because that's that's what they have to do to win – uh, you're, you're, I, you can't convince me that a Kelvin Sampson team is just going to show up and be like, "Yeah, we're not going to bust our ass tonight. We're gonna yeah. kind of, we're gonna be kind of lax." And the other advantage that they have, I feel like I'm blabbing here. I'm sorry. No, you're uh, good. The, the other advantage that they have is, I think Houston. The only way you're going to beat that team is on. Uh, they're not going to lose the first game, obviously. But I think it's either got to be you got to beat them in the Sweet Sixteen. Or you got to beat them in the final four. If they get to the final four and win their first matchup, I think they'll win the championship because I think preparing for this team on one day notice is a fucking nightmare. Yeah. Like it's something that you have to really like prepare yourself for, for that, that physical type of game and prepare like, okay, what do we do when, when we're trapped here? What's our, what's our outlet? Because you're going to, you're going to face a defense that you're going to face a, a level of pressure that you're not going to get anywhere else. You can't replicate in practice even. So I, I think that they're going to be vulnerable when, uh, you know, uh, they, let's say they get through the first weekend leading up to that sweet 16 team. Dep- I mean, it's very matchup dependent, obviously, but if, if there's a good four seed, who is well-prepared, I could see them giving Houston some trouble. Uh, or in the Final Four, when they've had a week to prepare, I right. can see them giving Houston some trouble. But I think if you if you look, if you look catch them in the Elite Eight, good luck. Like You're, you're not beating that team on one-day notice. Like you, you have to be over-prepared to play that team. And that's something that I, I don't think – the only other team I could maybe say that about is, is Purdue – because like preparing to, to try and slow down Zach Eady is so difficult, but even that is you know you just throw enough bodies at him. You you, you say okay, well, we're going to use up this many fouls. You can't like you your offense, whatever you do, whatever rhythm your offense is in, is going to be thrown into the dumpster when you play UH on a day notice. So I, I think that's a real edge for the Cougars. Well, and the thing about Purdue is we saw it last year. You just triple team Eady. And yeah, make somebody make else somebody beat else beat you, and if they do, great, and that happens. But um, you know, I, can you survive the whole tournament with that? The teams that I I think are interesting, you know, you mentioned BYU. I think uh, Auburn, Alabama, teams that can really fill it up uh, and, and shoot. You know, if they get hot, those those are the kind of teams that could get them. I mean, BYU played the hell out of them at BYU. Uh, with you know, I, I I think that. But one one thing I'll point out about UH and and welcome into uh, Bleed Blue. And Slopez and uh, our buddy Raj, who uh, unfortunately had to run the game. Cabrón. Yeah, he had to run the game last night, so he couldn't play. But, uh, you know, uh, the, the thing that, that has really improved, and we've seen this, and Kelvin does this every year. He finds little things that make his team better. We talked about the free throws. Late in games, I mean, almost nobody is shooting free throws now except for Sharp, Cryer, or Shed. They're yeah. they're running the plays to get them the ball and get them fouled. And those guys are all 80 percenters. And that makes a difference in a close game. And, yeah, you may miss three or four uh, because some of these guys can't shoot a free throw to save their life. But if you get the ball in those guys' hands late in the game, then the free throws aren't going to matter because they're going to make their share. And that's what they've been doing. And I, I've, I've been real impressed. And, I you know, my you know, I also have – of course, I have little concerns like – are they going to be worn out by the tournament? Because they play with so much intensity all the time. And, you know, it's they, it, it, there's, there is a concern about that, especially with the schedule, man. And, you know, the other thing I'll say is their, you know, their preseason schedule is actually better in retrospect than we thought it was. I mean, they beat Dayton, basically a home game for Dayton, even though it was a neutral court. You know, Aggie yeah. hasn't turned out to be that great, but that was, that was a win over a power five. So they've, they've actually got some decent wins 
um, from before they got in the Big 12. And, you know, and if you look at their numbers, they're better in the Big 12 than they were then. And, yep. and that's a, another Kelvin Sampson attribute. And I think they're 16th in the country in scoring. So, I mean, they're not, you know, they're not just a crap scoring team. They're not elite or good. But, you know, so much of it's the rebounds and things like that. But I think they're 16th in the country. And if you're 16th in that and first in defense and you can sustain that throughout the tournament, and it could be okay. You know who's really been kind of a an unsung hero for, for this Houston team? And, you, I mean, you probably watch them closer than I do. But every time I watch them, I'm so impressed with uh, Javier Francis. Like, he was – I mean, he's always been a great defensive player. Like, the last two games, I thought he was elite defensively. Yeah. I, I mean, his shot blocking was so well-timed. But he's become a – like – I, I don't want to say he's like a great offensive player because he, I mean, there's not much, uh, there's not much range to his game, but he's become a very efficient scorer. Like, I mean, he's, and you're right. Like the guys, you know, there's enough guys who, uh, who you have to pay attention to on defense. Shed Cryer and Sharper are such magnets that he's going to get some easy looks down low, but man, he's really impressed me. And I, I think he's kind of like a, uh, sort of an under uh, uh, underground sort of uh, a guy that nobody's talking about is like a, a real factor, but I think he's an absolute weapon for that team on both ends. So he's like one, he's one of my favorite players to watch this year, just because I mean the the shot blocking is fun, but uh, and obviously he's he's an elite rebounder. He's one of the guys who you're like who you were talking about who you don't want the ball in his hands late right, in the game because right. he'll just foul him, but. Um, but I, I think he's been a real impact for this team. And when when they're going through those droughts where they can't shoot, it's like just get the ball to him and, and let him dunk the ball. Yeah. Like you know, just let him let him dunk the ball and, and get back down on defense and and you you reset your offense, uh, which is kind of I mean it's it's also sort of what they do. Like okay, let's get uh, let's get Shed going to the basket, uh, and and that'll sort of reset what we're doing. But. When that's not working, I think Francis is a good uh, a good option for them. Well, and I think Juwan Roberts too. Uh, he he's one of the few guys who can get his own shot in the paint. And you know there there are stretches where they don't get him the ball down there, but when they do, yeah. And, and I got to tell these guys, any other team, hey, he's left-handed. He can go left. <laughs> Nobody seems to want to stop him going that way. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, he's another guy that people don't talk a lot about, but he'll quietly put up you know, 10 and nine boards, but he always has, he's one of those other guys that can stop the scoring drought. And, uh, and I, I mean, I think they've got, you know, they don't have the depth um, because they've had some injuries. I mean, they, they miss, uh, um, I can't remember the kid's name now. I'm totally blanking, but, uh, uh, but, you know, and Emmanuel Sharp is just getting better and better. Right. Terrence Arsenault. That's who I was thinking of. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so uh, I I think they're a fun team to watch, and I I just I just enjoy it. I, I and it, I enjoy every game, and it's one of those things. Like my doctor was telling me, it's like you know one of the symptoms of this is you quit taking joy and stuff. And man, I can't wait for every UH game, and I watch every minute, and I love it, and they're fun to watch. And I hope this run lasts all the way to the finals. And yeah, I, I think they've had better talent. Hell, they had better talent last year. Uh, they had Walker and Sasser, but this may be their best collection of Kelvin Sampsonites. If I, I think so. didn't have another one. They're, they're all bought in. Yeah. They're all bought in. And I actually worried about LJ Cryer. Like, I didn't know if he was going to – because, I mean, listen, the, the Baylor way of life is so different than the Houston way of life, at least from a, a head coaching standpoint, that I didn't know if it was going to work. And and he's been phenomenal too. So, uh I, I, listen, they, there's not many more games for them that are going to be interesting. Uh, I, I mean, I think the, the season finale at home against Kansas is, is going to be fun. Um, but their their last two road games are Oklahoma and I think Central Florida. Yeah, Central Florida. Um, <laughs> and then – but I think the Big 12 tournament is going to be, oh, it's gonna be incredible. That's going to be fun, man. <laughs> there's so many teams. Like, if you told me BYU was going to win it, I'd be like, okay. I can see that. You, you told me – Kansas is going to win. I said, no, okay. Uh, Iowa State, you know, Houston, maybe, probably not Texas, but like you get my point. Like it's, it feels like it's wide open. So uh, I, I'm stoked for that tournament, man. And uh, just one quick thought from you on Baylor. What what I'm concerned about with them moving forward because that's a very talented team. That that freshman sure. is uh, going to be amazing in the NBA. 
but uh, Jacoby Walter or, or Missy, the, Wal- the big? No, Walter, not not Missy. Yeah. M- Missy is kind of he, he's got a lot of development to go, uh, I think. But Walter is just, I mean, polished, great shooter. Yep, creates all kinds of uh, things. But what worries me about Baylor, and the UH loss doesn't count as one of them. But they've got now seven one possession losses this year. I think is the number. And that should have been a one-possession loss. It was overtime. Yeah. Um, that worries me going into the tournament because you're going to have a lot of one-possession games, or at least a couple. Does that, I mean, I think it gets in your head, right? You start, you know, you start doing little things that cost you the game. Are you worried about that with Baylor? Sure. Uh, I, I worry about that with all teams that, that lose close games. And I, uh, I think I tweeted or quote tweeted a, a, a clip a few weeks back of Kentucky uh, and they, they have been in, they've had like five or six games where they had the ball at the end of the game, the final possession with a chance to either tie or take the lead. And it was like five, it showed every one of those possessions and they were all fucking disasters. <laughs> and I was like, this is the kind of team I don't want to back in March. And I've been slowly coming around on Kentucky. And then what they did at the end of that Mississippi state game the other day, I was like, Okay. Yeah. Re, like Reed Shepard. I mean, he he had like eleven points in the last ninety seconds or whatever it was, yeah. and hits a floater in the lane to win it. Like basically at the buzzer, a two point win. I was like, okay, they're they're maybe creeping back into that circle of trust because what they, I mean, like their their finish to the game at Florida was a disaster. Yeah. Their finish to the game at Texas A and M was a disaster, and I'm like, oh, maybe not. But this uh, this Mississippi State game gave me a little bit of hope. Uh, that, that maybe something is there. So uh, I, I'm with you. I, I'd like to see – I like teams that are that are great finishing teams. Uh, the, the stat with Jerome Tang at Kansas State continues to wow me that he's like, uh, I think now something like 14-0 and 0 in overtime games. Yeah, like the that, fact that's that crazy. 14 overtime games in, in two years is insane. But, yeah, he, like he doesn't lose in overtime. He just keeps, doing, keeps winning over and over and over. Um, that That's wild to me. But – I will say with Baylor, like we've seen them, we've seen them win a couple close ones too, which makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah. Now the wins that they, that like when they beat Iowa State, they beat them at home by a couple points. You probably shouldn't even be having to, like you shouldn't be playing with your food like that. Right. Um, right. That, that should be a clear win. It's kind of like the the win um, when they 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 I forget I think it was Oklahoma State. They were overtime on the road against Oklahoma State, and they won in overtime. But it's like. What the hell are you doing in overtime with Oklahoma State? Right. So it, it they've shown an ability to win some of those close games too, but it's usually in games where I'm like, why are you even in this position? You should you shouldn't be playing overtime against BYU. That shouldn't be you shouldn't be in a close. I think Cincinnati was the other one, a close right. game with Cincinnati at home. That shouldn't be a thing. So I, I this Baylor team, I, I think uh, their defense is bad enough that I, I'm not in love with them. Um, I usually, I, I think Scott drew teams are going to always have like pretty strong defense. This is a pretty bad yeah. defensive team. Really? Yeah. Uh, I, I think if, if, I mean, they're kind of like Miami last year, you catch them on the wrong night and they'll beat you. They can beat anybody if they, if they get hot from three, um, and they don't turn the ball over, which I mean, UH showed that that that's the weakness of that offense. They're, they're 205th in turnover percentage nationally. Right. Uh, on offense. So if you can turn them over, you can beat them. But if, if you don't turn them over and you just let them shoot, they're as good as anybody on that side of the ball. The defense, though, is a, is a real concern. Like it, it doesn't seem like they have like the dogs that they need. Uh, I, I think back to like the 2022 team um, that, that had uh, Akinjo and, and Jeremy Sohan and those guys, and it was just like it felt like they were guys who prioritized uh, defense and even like um, uh, what's his name, Chamwa Chachwa, the everyday John, yeah, like was always like a, a dude who just who defended constantly, and it, they don't have that anymore. That's not their it's not their mentality. It doesn't seem, and I, it's it's weird. Like last year, their their defense was kind of meh, and I, I think they were. Uh, they were good enough on offense that it let them beat. I mean, I get they they lost in the I think this the second round of the tournament, so they they obviously weren't that damn good. Um, but I, I think that's what cost them was th- their defense just wasn't good enough. This year it's worse, so that that's a bad sign. 
uh, I think Scott Drew is one of the best coaches in the country, so I, I tend to give him the benefit of the doubt. But I, I'm just not sure what the ceiling of this team is, quite honestly. Yeah, and, and just to get back to the UH game, I mean, the whole first half, UH would just get on the elbow, and somebody would get inside, and they just couldn't stop it. And they, they made some adjustments in the second half, but at some point you call a timeout and adjust right there. I mean, that play worked, that yeah. play worked like 10 times. Um, Lamont asked if UH wins, will Sampson retire? I wouldn't be surprised. I think he'd like to see Kellen get his chance and uh, and, yeah. and we'll see. So I, I'll take that trade if it happens as, as a UH fan. But um, all right, I, I, I you know, I, I love talking college basketball with AJ. AJ is one of the best college basketball minds in the country. And if you guys didn't appreciate that when we were in Houston, then I hope you do now. Just real quick, two SEC teams that I'm intrigued by because they can score, Auburn and Alabama. Again, these are teams who, they're much like Baylor. Uh, if Alabama's hot, yeah, they, they can beat anybody, uh, but their defense is shitty. Uh -huh. And you kind of saw you saw it against Kentucky. Yeah, what, like, what, what Kentucky I mean, put up? 117 on them, I think it was? 117, yeah. yeah. And and it looked like, I mean, it, it looked like they kind of got lucky against Ole Miss last night. And, and you look at the final score, and they won by 15 points. Uh, I had Ole Miss plus six. Uh which was a, a kind of a kick in the balls, but uh, Ole Miss was up, you know, but 14 points in that game. Like they, they just, Alabama couldn't get a stop. Um, luckily they were for them anyway, luckily they were, they were nuclear from three yeah. and you know, you shoot, you, you shoot 41% from three. You're going to win a lot of games as long as you, especially if you don't turn it over and they, they, they do take good care of the ball, which is something I like, but they're, uh, a, a very mediocre defensive team. Uh, and I think we saw again last night, and and so I talk, talked about a bet I lost yesterday. Uh, I'll talk about a bet I won yesterday. I had Tennessee minus five and a half uh, against Auburn. I just th – th I think Auburn is one of the most home court dependent teams in yeah. the country. Yeah. I, I just think that they're – I don't trust them away from home. Uh, I think they're, they've only got three wins – or four, three or four wins in, in conference away from home, and it's all against like the bottom feeders. Um, but they they've they've lost now four games that are on the road in conference, and uh, most of them haven't even been competitive. So I, I that's a team that I don't want to trust, especially it, their their defense is solid. Um, Johnny Broom is is one of my one of my favorite players, like a guy who transferred in. Uh, he was one of my favorite – he transferred in before last year, but at Moorhead State was one of my favorite, like, mid-major kind of guys. Uh, but also right now, I, I, I talked about this with uh, with Kansas. Keep in mind that Auburn right now is – I guess Jalen Williams played. I don't think he's healthy. I don't think he's right. Yeah. I would, What I understood was he was going to miss the regular season and then try to come back for the tournament. And he, so I was surprised to see him out there last night, and he just didn't look like himself. Uh, I, I think they need that team, or they need that guy to be healthy uh, to to really have a shot. But also, I mean, you know, I, I'm I'm picking at him for losing at Tennessee, and it, there's there's really no shame in that. Like I, everybody loses at Tennessee. It's it's almost like uh, SEC's Kansas. It's a it's a very tough place to win. Right. Um, so I, again, I I don't know. I don't know what their ceiling is uh, because I, they do get stuck in the mud on offense sometimes, particularly when Jalen Williams isn't isn't having a day. Uh, and Broom is almost a – I don't want to say he's like a, a, a nothing burger on offense, but he's he's not an offensive-focused player. Like he's there to rebound and, and do the dirty work, block shots. Um, but I, so I, I think if the, if those guards and the, and the, uh, the wings get right in the tournament, I could see them making a little bit of a run, but it just feels like they're so home court dependent that I, I don't want to trust them. Man, I'm so looking forward to the next few weeks, uh, having you on to talk about this once we, once we get into conference tournaments and, you know, and then obviously the NCAA, I mean, I, and I'm, I mean, I'm not blowing smoke up AJ's ass. He's been great at college basketball forever, not just at betting, but he knows everything about it. And uh, it, it's just a pleasure to sit here. And I didn't ex expect for us to spend this much time on college basketball today, but I, I mean, I love it. So, uh, well, we wouldn't, we never would have done this on the radio because, like, on radio, nobody wants to hear about college basketball for for twenty minutes. It's a it's a hard it's a hard topic, especially in the regular season. Like, 
once March comes around, everybody wants their sports radio guys to be experts on college basketball. And every sports radio guy tries to pretend like they're an expert on college basketball um, because they have, that's what they've got to talk about. Right. And they, you know, all of a sudden they have to look at standings and go, yeah, this team's good. This team's not good. You know, they haven't seen them play a game all year. Uh, oh, this, but, is, this is a 12 seed that can beat a five. <laughs> yeah. Well, they'll hear somebody say that and then they're going to go, yep, sounds good to me. Yep. Sounds good to and me. Sally's secretary's filling out her bracket based on that. And, uh, yeah, and, and that was always something that I thought was cool about the show is like, you, you knew college basketball. We'd always spend a little time on it, no matter what, uh, during the season. But same thing with, you know, MMA. Like when there was a big MMA fight, all these guys would act like they were experts. It's like, yeah, yeah, uh, AJ's been pretty good at this for a long time. <laughs> You know, don't really need you, cats. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, I will tell you this. If you need a plumber, call Piper's Plumbing, 832-632-2583. My man Joseph uh, and his wife, they run a great, great company. And uh, they're in uh, Nassau Bay, but they do work everywhere. They did work for my neighbor who's sitting out on my porch right now, actually putting up some lights for me so I don't fall on my ass. Um, but he did some work for him, and he just raved about him. Uh, my business raved about them. They can do plumbing, water heater replacement, tankless water heater installation, main water line repair and replacement, gas tests and gas line repair and replacement, all this stuff they can do for you. Give them a call, 832-632-2583. And um, yeah, it's, it, I, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to the tournament, but I, I will just say um, it, from a betting perspective too, I mean, AJ's going to do you right. So it'll be worth every penny you pay for this podcast, which is absolutely nothing and that's okay <laughs> if you want to donate please do i gotta tell you uh ambulances are not cheap mris are not cheap uh the medical bills from this fucking thing are starting to roll in I'm like oh god damn right when i'm about to get ahead again you know it's just crazy stuff so the venmo's on there if you want to help with a few bucks please do all right let's uh let's get some football because uh we got the combine going on and you know i from a quarterback perspective i think I'm really concerned about Caleb Williams. Uh, I I think he showed us some pussy tendencies last year, and as a yeah, that's my worry too. As a leader, I don't like that. Um, and you know, and, and I, I mentioned this Monday, and I, I want to get your thoughts on Drake May because I don't really, I don't feel like I know what kind of player he is. I feel like I've watched him play. He looks good, but is he you know Sam Howell? Is he Mitch Trubisky? I don't know. He, he I just can't get a good feel on him. I do like Jaden Daniels a lot if the coaching staff can shorten that delivery because that's the one thing that concerns me. He's got that big, loopy throwing motion, which in college is fine. You're not supposed to fix that in college. You don't need to. But in the pros, man, you got to get that ear to ear, and it's got to be tight. Uh, if you could fix that, his other skills are pretty good. I, I guess if, I, if you're the number one pick and you're the Bears, do you trade Justin Fields and take one of these cats, and if so, which one? Or do you say, you know what, I'm going to keep – Justin Fields and take uh, Harrison or, or the kid from Washington or somebody like that as a receiver. So first I'll, I'll hit the, the Drake may one first. I, I think like at his best, he he's going to be Carson Palmer pre-injury. Like if, if, which would, if he's that, that's I mean, pretty it's good. A, yeah. It's awesome. Um, Like I've heard people compare him a little bit to Justin Herbert. Which obviously, as you know, I'm I'm a big fan of, um, but I, I think there's also like I can also see him being Blake Bortles, like yeah, which is, yeah. So it's I, I'm no I'm no expert on it. Like uh, I, I I know that he was a year ago looked at at or even two years ago, like we were already talking about him being like the dude in this class, and and then Caleb Williams kind of broke out, but. Um, yeah, I think he's good. I think he's got more mobility than people think he does. Uh, he's a, he's a better runner, a better scrambler, uh, and I, that part reminds me a little bit of Justin Herbert. Like people don't think about Justin Herbert as a scrambler, but it, the dude dude can move around. Um, and I, I think the, the the like hoping that he's the high end is obviously what everybody's going to do. But you have to take into account that it it might not work out that way, and it, that that's the uh, that's the scary part. So if you draft Blake Bortles number two overall, it sets you back quite a bit. As far as the Bears, I think it's very dependent on what kind of offer they get. If they get 
the same kind of offer they got a year ago, I think they they should do it. Um, like you can just oh, absolutely. Fields, Justin Fields is serviceable enough, and there's still enough potential upside that you can ride him for one more year and continue to build that team, and then take a stab at quarterback next year. Now the only the only way you don't do that is if you think Caleb Williams is like a generational talent, and if if you think he's, you know, Andrew Luck level prospect yeah. then, okay and no one's going to blame you for for taking him and it just like justin fields is probably never going to be that so if you think that he's if you think he can be that then you probably should get him but i'd if i'm the bears i want to keep stacking up those assets uh and, and build a roster where you can put a rookie quarterback in there and he can compete immediately. And if, if you've got enough talent, and I, that's why I think it was such a big deal last year that in, in that trade that they did with the Panthers, they got DJ Moore. Like that yeah. was to me as important as any draft because they didn't have a number one receiver. So getting a number one receiver on top of all those draft picks was like, that's a huge get. Um, so I, I think if you, if you can get another deal like that, go for it. I just wonder if, if people seeing the Bryce Young thing or like oh I, I don't know if it's worth trading up but i, I said this to somebody uh, to scott my my co-host on the uh, the podcast yeah. he was like i think teams are going to be turned off by that because bryce young look i mean now they're set back and i said yeah but think about this if they if the bears make that trade or the panthers make that trade move up to number one and they take cj stroud and it's i mean obviously it's a it, it, it it's a jump to say that cj stroud would have been the same in carolina as he was in houston I, I don't right, think right. but let's just let's no. just pretend he could be like no the bear the the panthers wouldn't regret that trade then they'd say Fuck, what a great trade we gave up some stupid draft picks and we got our franchise guy you know what i mean so it, it's just like people were laughing at the texans a year ago for trading up and it's like no you you got the right guys that's all like if you trade up People forget that you traded up. Like no one cares. If you trade up and you get the wrong guy, people are like, "What a fucking dumb move." Yeah. So it's just a matter of of do you, like it, no. Remember, I still think about this. Ugh, grosses me out, kind of. But the Chiefs traded up from Buffalo to get Patrick Mahomes, and I, yeah. I always think, what if the Bills would have drafted Patrick Mahomes? Would and it's again, it's not. It's not a straight across deal. Like we don't know if he right. would have been in Buffalo what he was in Kansas City, but we're talking about like a generational like once in a lifetime type quarterback that you traded you traded the pick where you could have taken him and i mean the the bills probably have the the second best quarterback in football so i i don't think they're they're crying in their soup too much but it, it's it's always one of those things like no no Kansas City Chiefs fans are going they they don't they probably don't even think about the fact that they traded away extra draft capital to get Patrick matter what it took to get him you just get the guy. And uh, so I think there's going to be teams willing to do it if they think Caleb Williams is the guy. And if you're the Bears and you think Caleb Williams is the guy, I think you're kind of stuck having to take him because I, I know Justin Fields is not the guy. I can't picture a world where Justin Fields wins a Super Bowl. I can picture a world where Justin Fields is serviceable and maybe sneaks into the back end of the playoffs. But I don't think he's like the kind of dude who can go on a run and win a Super Bowl. So that's that's how the Bears have to look at it. Like if they think Caleb Williams is like a no no doubter, can't miss guy, I think they should take him. Uh, uh, but if someone offers the moon and you you've got any doubts about him, I, I'd move on. Or I I mean hell, I would take uh, if I could get JJ McCarthy and a, a first and a third, I'd take that over Caleb Williams. Uh, you know, so if 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 somebody says, "Hey, we're going to give you our first, which is like the eighth pick in the draft or whatever, uh, and and you know a first next year, and then a third, yeah, like so. So if you, that way you can get a, a you can get a quarterback probably in the top ten, uh, JJ McCarthy type, and then you can you, you know if he works, great. If he doesn't, you've got you've got draft capital now where you can take another swing." People always laugh about once you take a quarterback in the first round, there, there's no going back. Arizona didn't. They they said, fuck that. We know Josh Rosen's no yeah. good. We're not going to waste time with it. And they, they went and got Kyler Murray. And I, I like now it's not like Arizona's had a bunch of success, but no one questions that move. Like it's there's there's no doubt that Arizona made the right call by the doing that because Kyler Murray at least has a chance. Again, yeah. I, I don't know what his ceiling is. I don't know if he can win a Super Bowl, but – I don't know for certain that he can't either. 
Like he's at least got enough potential where I'm like, yeah, it makes sense. That's you. You've got your franchise guy. Where whereas with Josh Rosen, all you were doing was was just wasting time. Yeah, I mean, to me, Josh Rosen was Will Levis now. But anyway, uh, the the one thing I would I, I'd point out is if they were to trade Fields to the Bears, which there seems to be a, I mean Bears, uh, steam, which there seems to be a lot of steam towards. Steelers are a better team with Justin Fields. I, I don't think there's any doubt. Uh, he, he's going to be better than anybody they've got in that quarterback room. And they're already a playoff team. So I, I think he goes there. The Steelers are better. And if I'm if I'm the Bears and I can trade down, and, you know, I do think there's some good quarterback value that you'll be able to get later. And, like, uh, go get a Dunze in the, in the draft. Uh, uh, or Bowers. Get, get you a big weapon like that. And I think either one of those guys are going to be impact players. I really, I really believe that. Then go get Bo Nix later yeah. or, you know, somebody like that, or, you know, I, I think Penix, same thing. Go get one of those guys. They might be pretty good. They might be an upgrade. They might be the same, but man, if you put those kind of weapons around them, um, I, I think you're you're you'd be better off, and I'd like to see the Bears do something like that. If somebody will try, somebody's got to fall in love with Caleb Williams. It's going to happen. I, th- I think somebody will. I, I it might be the Giants. It might be uh, it might be the Broncos. Um, you know, yeah, I, I think call on that one. Th- there's a lot of teams. I, it might be the Raiders. I, I think there's a lot of teams that can uh, that could could jump into that mix. Yeah, you know, what are the Raiders going to do a quarterback? Because that's uh, I. I been wondering about that. They do have. I a mean, really- they have to find one. I mean, I, I don't think there's any doubt. Like what 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 they had last year at the end of the year wasn't good enough. I think they've burned the the bridge with with JJ or with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. So I, I think they they have to find a, a, another answer. Yeah, and and I'm I'm intrigued by what they're going to do. And I think there will be some guys like what happens with Baker Mayfield. Does somebody want to? do that you know i i think you're limited with your ceiling with baker but i mean he's again he's functional in the right situation we found and uh i i think he had a really good year for tampa last year and if you can get that out of him well you're probably a playoff team if you've got the other talent yeah i i think baker's gonna stay in tampa i think he's earned that and my my expectation is that he's he's gonna get a at least like a three-year deal there i i think that they they do right by him um, so I don't, I don't think he's in, in the mix, but Kirk Cousins is like, right. mean, why, why not? And I could see another team I could see moving up is Washington. Um, I could see them making a deal to, to try to get a quarterback, especially with, you know, new coaching staff, all of that. Um, and again, it just depends on who you fall in love with. And I think somebody's also going to fall in love with Jaden Daniels once he tests out this week. I mean, that guy physically is a monster and if you get to spend some time with him like i said my only concern about him and, and you know and another guy man you, if, if you're the bears go get malik neighbors if you can't get somebody else. that guy's gonna be badass um but the thing about daniels and i think you can coach it out of him uh like they did lamar jackson lamar jackson had the same kind of loopy delivery coming out of college and everybody's like oh well you, you should fix that in college you don't need to in college you know, I, I, the guy's effective as hell. He won the Heisman Trophy. So yeah. I don't need to. I don't need to fix his delivery in college. But you know, some of the decision making, you just don't. You, but you don't know that about any of those guys, except uh, you know, it, it's one of those things. Like, and you mentioned Mahomes earlier. He he wound up in the perfect situation. Yeah. Uh, and he could sit for a year behind Alex Smith. I mean, not many guys are going to get that opportunity because when you're drafted this high, the pressure's on him. Hell, C.J. Stroud. Um, you know, he should have been able to sit for a little bit, but it turns out he's the best guy on campus as soon as they bring him in. But you look back, I mean, the Texans tried it with Deshaun. What did that last a half? Right. Uh, of course that was Bill O'Brien too, which, uh, uh, good luck at Boston college, Billy. Um, yeah. 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 You guys are going to be six and six, uh, mega Mac asks, are any of these quarterbacks franchise QBs in the upcoming draft? And he says, maybe Jaden, if he goes to the right team and so much of that. And AJ and I've been talking about this for years. So much is the position you go into. Uh, you know, Bryce Young, Bryce Young is probably better than Bryce Young played last year. But that, I mean, impossible situation, right? And nothing around him, no weapons, bad coaching, bad offensive line. 
And there's not many guys. And you talked about CJ. CJ wouldn't have been as good there. It wouldn't have been close. And I think that's part of it. And there's a lot of guys that can really be great quarterbacks in the right situation. I, I like I still have, I, I worry about Jaden Daniels. Like, yeah, I mean, I was he a great college player? I, I don't think anyone would argue it, but uh, I mean, he had probably two of the top five wide receivers in this yeah. year's draft on his team. Like, would it shock anyone if if he can't play, he can't really perform at the next level the way he did in college? It wouldn't shock me at all. Um, if he was the, like, if he was Justin Fields number two, like that, that wouldn't shock right. me. So I think there's there's boom bust potential with all these guys. The reason why I feel like I mean whatever you think of Caleb Williams off field stuff, which I'm with you, I don't love. No one's gonna look back and say I can't believe you drafted Caleb Williams with the first pick. Uh, I, I I think like if you if you draft Jaden Daniels with like the third fourth pick, there will be people who said. It, like they, like they did about Mitch Trubisky, the guy had one good year in college, and you like decided to throw the moon at him. That's on you. So I I could see that happening. Um, it, it wouldn't shock me, but I, I that's the one thing I do know is if you draft Caleb Williams number one, if his head falls off, you know no one's gonna go. I can't believe you did that. That was like it was like with Trevor right. Lawrence. Trevor right. Lawrence is, has been basically a disappointment so far. But no one's going to look at the Jags and go, man, you guys really screwed up taking Trevor Lawrence. Like, they had to. Yeah, and he hasn't been bad. He just hasn't been what they expected yet. The The one the one comp I would say, and the one you – know, because, like, I always had my questions about Ohio State quarterbacks, including C.J., because he's got all these receivers. He's got all that talent around him. Um, but our, our friend Jose Burrow had maybe two of the best receivers in the NFL now. He had uh, – an elite running back, an elite offensive line, and that was a concern coming out. He's surrounded with all this talent. And, you know, he's worked out pretty well. Uh, and I think in the other comp I'll make to Burrow is Bo Nix. I mean, Burrow was not a good player at Ohio State. No. And, and I, no. I, I say this all the time. It's like the dumbest I've ever felt was when I the year that LSU won the national championship, I, I, preseason, I remember saying, if they had anybody with a pulse at quarterback, this would be a national championship team. But Joe Burrow sucks. And <laughs> then Joe Burrow goes on to have like the, the most legendary season ever. Yeah. It's like, okay, yeah, I was wrong about it. But j- until that point, Joe Burrow had shown no indication that he was going to turn into Joe Burrow. Like no, he looked well, like well, just no, the guy. No, okay, I'm going to push back on it a little bit because I said this at the time. The last part of his uh, junior year before that, it was like a light came on. He was, I mean, I, of course, I didn't see that year coming. Let's, I mean, I'm, let's, yeah. I'm not Nostradamus, but, uh, but I, I thought the last part of his junior year, you could just see, okay, this guy's turned a corner. And I think we saw that with Bo Nix last year. And I still talk to SEC fans, oh, Bo Nix is horseshit. Like, have you watched him play at Oregon? Sometimes guys develop, and he's what, had six years in college? Uh, I think he's pretty pro ready right now. And I think the upside is still there. And that's a guy that if you wind up taking him mid-round, I, I'm, I'm not going to bitch at you. I'm going to say, you know what? I, I like that pick. Yeah, I, I, I'm not I'm not going to fault anybody. I talked to Lance Erline the other day, and he he thinks Bo Nix Bo has a first-round grade. Uh, so we'll see if if he gets drafted in the first round. But, I, again, I he's one of the guys that I look at as, would I rather take Bo Nix with the, the 32nd pick uh, and or or would I rather take Jaden Daniels with the third? I'd rather take Bo Nix with the thirty second pick. Like I just Agreed. feel more comfortable with it. But um, but again, it's it's all going to be a matter of opinion. And it, like Bo Nix has been solid enough for long enough that I trust him. Um, I mean, we we all saw Auburn Bo Nix, and and nobody thought that Auburn Bo Nix was going to turn into what he did either. Um, right. But I, you know what? I'd also look at guys like. To me, if I'd look at a guy like Michael Penix, if I could get him in round two, yeah. and I know that the, the medical you. the medicals are probably kind of iffy on him because he's had a couple of injuries, but um, but I, I feel like that's like that's a, a a guy who can who can really play football and really can can make the reads and is a smart smart player, man. And if if Brock Purdy can be Brock Purdy. There's no reason why Michael Penix can't be Brock Purdy. Right. Like, there, right. there really isn't. 
And if people are going to be scared off because he's not a physical freak, and if Michael Penix could run like he was able to run as a freshman, nobody would be talking about him as not being a first rounder. It would be impossible to deny he's a first rounder. So he's not going to be, you know, Lamar Jackson. I get it. But he's still, nobody's going to look at him and go, oh, he's immobile. Like he's, he, he, to me, he reminds me a lot of Russell Wilson. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think that's a fair call. And and, I mean, he's obviously a little bit, a little bit bigger frame or a little little taller frame, but I I think that he's a guy who is, there's some things about him physically that you don't love, but I think he's smart enough and he understands the game well enough uh, that he is going to, he's going to overcome some of those. And again, I don't know if he'll be, Elite, elite, but Russell Wilson won a freaking Super Bowl. You know, yeah. like if, if so, and like I said, Brock Purdy almost won a Super Bowl. It, it, like I don't see any reason why Michael Penix can't be the next one of those guys. And such a he's such a good decision maker, which I really like about him. And I and he's also a guy that I saw check off to his second and third reads in college. And you know that's another big thing because a lot of those guys don't have to. It's a lot of times, you know, and, and as good as Adunze was, he wasn't 10 yards open every play uh, because he was getting doubled every time. Uh, but, you know, he would look there and then he would check down. And I, I, I like the kid, man. I, I That's another one. I think him or Knicks, if I could get them and get an impact player in the top 10, I'd, I'd take that shot. Because if they don't work out, great. You know, you, you do it again next year. You, you do what the Arizona did. You just pull the plug. Say, you know what? Yep. This kid doesn't work. All right. Well, uh, great stuff, man. I could talk draft all day too, but we've gone, you know, gone long enough today. I've taken up enough of your time, my friend. Uh, I appreciate you. Thanks for uh, looking out for me last week, and uh, I didn't die today. Nah. And, uh, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna die collapse after the show. So it's all good. And I actually, <laughs> actually made a little sense today. So there. But uh, anyway, uh, appreciate you, brother. And uh, I'll, I'll talk to you soon about some other stuff. And. Uh, just uh, happy to see you, happy to have you on, and happy to be able to remember it this time. That's that's the way. I like that. <laughs> all right, brother. Take care, man. All right, man. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, guys, that's going to wrap it up. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. Thanks to all of you for, uh, you know, putting up with me. And, um, you know, I especially last week, I appreciate all of you. And uh, welcome in Heartthrob, by the way. I didn't see you in Mega Mac. Um, it, it, it's, you know, we're, we're going to have fun with this. We're going to keep doing a fun show. Jerry Bone knows in the house. Uh, appreciate all you guys. We will uh, be back on Monday in some capacity. Keep an eye on Twitter and Facebook. I'll let you know. Uh, Jerry and I are going to get our thing going, but we have to. Uh, but there's some stuff we're working on. Uh, we were supposed to do it the day after he won the tournament in uh, Louisiana, which would have been badass. But we yeah, we got a couple things to work through. So uh, uh, just keep an eye on Twitter and Facebook, and I'll let you know. There will be a show on Monday of some kind. And uh, anyway, love all you guys. Have a great day. And until Monday, stay sportsy Gulf Coast badasses.